Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. All right, Film Geeks, today's class is all about A Haunting in Venice, the latest from Kenneth Branagh, a.k.a. Gilderoy Lockhart. Let's talk about it. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of All Right, Let's Talk About It. My name is Savannah. I am your host. I do film reviews and film industry commentary. Welcome back to me as well, I guess. I am back in my bedroom in the lovely city of New Orleans, Louisiana. After being away for about three weeks, I was in Charlotte, house-sitting slash dog-sitting for my aunt. I also spent some time in Lancaster, South Carolina, which is where my mother lives. So I spent about a week there and then the remaining two weeks in Charlotte. And I'm normally, I normally don't like going home. It's not that I don't like seeing my friends and family. I get very bored. Like after two days, I'm just ready to go home. I'm just ready to leave. Like I don't want to be here no more. But this was such a good trip this time around, mainly because I was able to get so much done. I was so focused. Being in my bedroom doing this, it's so hard for me to focus. Um, I probably, it would probably help if I cleaned up my room a little bit, but you know, that takes time and effort. And I don't feel like it. I hate cleaning my room. I've never enjoyed cleaning my room. My room is a mess. It's awful in here. It's amazing. I can even live and breathe. But anyways, so A Haunting in Venice. This is directed by Kenneth Branagh. Fun thing about Kenneth Branagh for me is he's Gilderoy Lockhart. He will always be Gilderoy Lockhart. There are certain actors that do so well at their job putting a character out into the atmosphere that it leaves an imprint on your soul. It, it leaves a mark. You look at that person and even though you see them, see them in this other role and they're doing great in this other role, you, you look at them and that's immediately what you think of. You see that person and it, it makes you smile a bit. Kenneth Branagh for me, Gilderoy Lockhart from um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. I think I was 15 years old when that movie came out. Someone else, uh, Sally Fields, she'll always be Mrs. Gump. I will, every time I see her, that's the first thing that pops in my head is Mrs. Gump. Um, who else? Uh, Helena Bonham Carter, whenever I see her, Bellatrix Lestrange. She, gosh, she killed that. She killed that. And it just, it, it left something with me. Another thing about Kenneth Branagh for me is that I don't think I really knew the man's name until now. I've seen him 
all throughout the years. I know him very well as an actor and as a director, but something about his face and his name just did not connect. So I know his name. It's like this a lot for me with a lot of directors. There are a lot of directors whom if they were to walk up to me and say, hi, I wouldn't recognize them. I have no idea what their faces look like. I know their work. I know them by their you know, how actions speak louder than words, kind of the same thing here. I know them by their work. I know them by their style, things like that. But I couldn't tell you what they look like. Like, I never really got a good look at Christopher Nolan until I started really looking into the movie Oppenheimer. Couldn't tell you what the man looked like. Now, we all know what Steven Spielberg looks like, of course. But Kenneth Branagh was one of those guys where, as an actor, I recognized him. But as a, a director, I couldn't quite connect the name. Sad, I know, but there it is. But he's wonderful. I I love the dude. He directed um, As You Like It, which I remember seeing that movie in high school for some class. I love Shakespeare, and I love that movie. So when I realized this is the same Kenneth Branagh, I was like, what? Really? That makes me happy. And I was. I was very, very happy. So... I lost my train of thought again. He is an interesting talent. He's very versatile. He kind of reminds me of Gary Oldman in that he has this way of kind of transforming and becoming other people. I just realized wrong as you like it. The as you like it, I think, I watched was something different. Who knows? Anyways, Kenneth Branagh, love the dude, but I do love that movie though. I didn't watch it in high school. I just can't remember where I watched it, but I didn't watch it in high school. It was another movie I watched in high school that I got mixed up. So Kenneth Branagh is one of those actors who does a good, a great job of transforming and becoming someone different, almost unrecognizable. And I think that's why I have a hard time sometimes matching his name with the face and all that jazz. Gary Oldman does, is the example I use. He's such a chameleon. He'll become, he becomes whatever you want. I remember when I realized he was in Hannibal. He's Virgil and Hannibal, the dude with the cut up face sitting in the Biltmore mansion. Um, it blew my, how did I not know? That was, like, he's that good. Kenneth Branagh to me is kind of like that. Just transforms. He just becomes a completely different person. He's a great actor, great director. Now, this movie right here, Haunting in Venice, trying to figure out the simplest way to explain this, but it's part of a series he's doing surrounding, you know, centered around this character, Hercule, there's a French way of pronouncing it, um, Poirot. Hercule Poirot, who is a detective, kind of reminds me of a Sherlock Holmes for the 20th century. So this is these are based on this is a character written by Agatha Christie based on novels she wrote. You have Murder on the Orient, Orient Express, which is the first um, novel that she not the first novel, but the first movie that he directed from her. Um, then you have the sequel Death on the Nile featuring the same character, Kenneth Branagh playing Hercule Poirot. And then now you have A Haunting in Venice, which is based on the novel um, Halloween Party. So an interesting little series that he's doing. And the reason why I'm trying to figure out how to explain this, because, you know, with sequels, people always ask, well, do I need to watch the first two in order to figure out what's going on in the third? Not really. Not with this. The What we would call this in the book world is a standalone. Now, you have this series that's very clear, a series, and it's centered around this character. And each story is very different from the next. Now, all three of the, no- of the movies, I think, would help you to 
um, get a good gist of who this character is, where he's been, where he's going. But in order to really understand what's happening in the plot, you don't need to understand all, you don't need to watch all three. I didn't. I haven't seen Murder on the Orient Express and I haven't seen Death on the Nile. I've only seen this one and I feel like I was able to figure it out just fine and get a good gist of who this character is without having to see the first two. But I guess you would call this, I'm not sure what you would call this in movie language, but in the book world, we would call this a standalone. It's part of a series, but you don't have to read it in order. Does that make sense? So yeah, for those who are wondering, do I need to watch the first two? Nope, you don't. Um, I would love to watch the first two because the style in this is exceptional. It's shot very well. It's shot beautifully, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So this movie stars... Tina Fey. Who else is in this movie? Jamie Dornan. Michelle Yao, who was the most recent Best Actress winner at the Oscars. Kyle Allen. Camila Cotton. I believe her name is Kelly Riley. Emma Laird. Jude Hill. Ricardo Scarmarchio. I think I did good. So, yeah. This movie right here, I'm not going to keep y'all super long. I don't feel like there's a whole lot to say about this. This movie is about an hour and 45 minutes long, give or take. So it's not very long. It gets to the point very quickly. Um, There's not much rise and fall here. The plot in and of itself is kind of dry. So what is this movie about? This is about we have Hercule Poirot, who was a detective. Detective Poirot is what we're going to call him from now on. And he is retired, or so he claims. He has an author friend played by Tina Fey who wants him to come to the seance to prove that the woman who is leading said seance, played by Michelle Yao, Miss Reynolds, is a fake. She's like, I can't figure out how to do her tricks. Now come on in and, you know, figure them out. da 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 and so he ends up going to this Halloween party that's made for orphans. And it starts off with this scary story about the house they're having this party in, a palazzo, that was once a home for children during the plague. And these children were locked in the house by the doctors and nurses left to die. And now there's a children's vendetta against anyone who is a doctor or a nurse. If they come into the house, they shall surely die. And it's said that the children's vengeful spirits still haunt the place. And this story kind of is wrapped, wraps itself around the plot. Beautifully, I might add, for a plot that's so dry. So we have this story as an anchor to kind of go back to whenever things happen within the movie. Beautifully done. This He's a good, great writer. I can't remember if... Uh, Kenneth Branagh wrote this or not, but he is a great screenwriter. He's so good at it. But I loved how that story, that little ghost story is an anchor for us to kind of go back to when we see things happening or when things aren't happening or we're wondering something's going to happen because we know about this story. So the, it's cute. Their kids are bobbing for apples. Apples play an interesting role in this movie, a bit of a motif that repeats itself. Apples tend to represent temptation in film. We get to the seance and it looks like it's uh, the real deal. The woman is doing her thing. She's trying to contact the homeowner's dead daughter who died a year ago, who fell off of a balcony. They're calling it suicide and she drowned. So they're wanting to contact her. She wants to know that her daughter's soul is at peace. Things are starting to go weird. There's a typewriter typing out letters, typing out yes and no and the letter M and 
Kenneth Branagh's, you know, walking around trying to figure out what's going on. Why does this look the way it does? And then all of a sudden, you know, Michelle Yao, who is this seance lady, this medium, starts speaking in the girl's voice. But Kenneth Branagh, you know, Detective Perot, he's not convinced. He knows something's off. And he ends up finding this guy hiding in a chimney with this magnetic device that's controlling the typewriter and getting it to say yes, no, what have you. So he comes to the conclusion that she is a fake. The mother is not convinced and wants the um, the seance lady, the medium. God, why can't I figure out there remember that word? But wants the medium to stay another night. And things are okay. Someone tries to kill the detective. He doesn't know who. And then all of a sudden they hear a scream and this medium is dead. And that's where our little murder mystery begins. I know I did a horrible job explaining that. So it's basically, this is about a detective who finds himself at a seance trying to disprove this medium. And in the course of events, there is a murder. The medium is dead and someone in the house did it. He has to figure out who. So it's a good old classic whodunit. That's essentially what this is. It all takes place in a house. We have an array of different characters and personalities. Reminds me of a board game, but quintessential early 1900s mystery literature where so much is focused on personality and character and everyone has a role to play. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Everyone has played a role in the story leading up to the events that are in question. You have Jamie Dornan, who plays a doctor who is dealing with battle scars that aren't visible. He's a doctor and he was the last to treat the fallen daughter, Alicia. You have the 
um, author played by Tina Fey, who is looking for research for her next book because her last three were not critically acclaimed. You have the housekeeper who is very religious and is dealing with a sense of guilt. You have the doctor's son who seems to be a bit clairvoyant, but you could just tack it onto his age, who's much older than he appears because he spends a good deal taking care of his anxious ridden dad. You have the Italian bodyguard who's a former cop who has demons of his own. And then the boyfriend or the ex-fiance who broke it off with Alicia right before she died. And an array of different characters and personalities that all kind of mesh. I think about, you know, Haunted Mansion and what it was trying to do and it couldn't do very well with, you know, creating strong characters with actors that could carry them to completion. That's something that's strong here are the different, are the characters. The acting is great in this. The way each actor commits to that character, commits to their role in the story and the role that they play in the, you know, the background events that we haven't quite tackled just yet. And so there's that, but the plot itself is just kind of dry. There's just something missing. I, I can't quite put my finger on it. There were attempts, I think, at humor to kind of create banter. It didn't land with me. I didn't find myself laughing, but I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the back and forth and the banter. I think it's because there was something just very classic and old school about it. Very, you know, 1930s, 1940s, 1950s film kind of dialogue that you don't really hear anymore. Something I would expect to hear in like a Casablanca or a Maltese Falcon, those first two movies that popped into my head. That kind of, you know, you know, cheeky and sharp, witty dialogue that you don't hear anymore. That's what it sounds like to me. And I think that's what I loved about it. So staying very true to that time period from which this novel comes. But the plot was just kind of dry. It was just all right. But I enjoyed it. It was entertaining. And I think it's because of the mystery of it all, you know, and then we had that anchor of a ghost story. So we're wondering how that ghost story plays into the events that's happening, because not only is the medium dead, but then we lose another character and then another. And it's it's nice seeing how these events unfold. I just wish the connective tissue was a little bit stronger. Does that make sense? Now, aside from the plot being a little dry, the acting, I think, was great. I love this cast of characters, a lot of big names, a lot of big personalities, what excels here? What makes this movie so wonderful? And I had a couple people tell me on TikTok that if I love this and I really need to watch the first two, done, I will make that happen. The cinematography and the photography in general general is just great here. It's it's fabulous. Very stylish, very colorful, very foundational. It's the kind of stuff that you learn early on in film school that often gets left in the dust as you grow and mature, but it still works and it still does the thing and it still looks great. You know, experimenting with high angles and low length, low angles, darkness and light, um, foreground, middle ground and background and how you can have three different things happening in one frame when you really use the foreground, middle ground and background. I mentioned this in, on TikTok, but a movie that comes to mind is The Tragedy of Macbeth. I believe that came out in 2021, maybe, or 2020. I can't remember, but it's on Apple TV+. Plus. It was directed by, I think, Joel Cohen, stars Denzel Washington and Francis McDermott. And he really plays with that, the foreground, middle ground, and, gr- and background, giving us three different emotions within one frame by placing people within those those sections of the frame. Golly, I need to eat first. Fun fact, I don't eat before I do a podcast. Why? Because once I eat, I get comfortable and I can't concentrate. So I probably won't, I probably won't eat a meal until like one o'clock today, but I digress. 
that's just how it rolls. So yeah, just very old school foundational techniques with respect to the cinematography that is seemingly immature, but it works. It's immature in the sense that it's what you start with and then you grow and you build from that. But he seems to really like those foundational elements that are very simple and straightforward, but they work and they do such a great job of helping to visually tell the story. I think that's sometimes lost in a lot of these movies nowadays is the way the camera works as a storyteller, the way lighting works as a storyteller, the way certain colors and elements, an apple works as a storyteller. We see an apple early on and apples, again, tend to symbolize temptation, being lured into something. You know, it's an apple that invites this woman into his home, this author whom he knows, and she gives, you know, this nice little explanation about hey, you should come to this seance. It's going to be cool. You should figure out whether the woman is really a medium or not. It's an apple that leads him to bob his head into the water to bob for apples. And that's when he almost gets killed. It's things like that. The repeated motifs. It's when the man is cutting an apple that he cuts his hand and he tries to heal it or, you know, do an old school antiseptic with honey. And that's a clue. That's when we get a clue. So apples play an interesting role. So these old school elements of filmmaking that you don't really see too often, it's only these great directors that really go back to it because they understand, I think, just the magic and the simplicity. The cinematography here is beautiful. It's basically what I'm trying to say. There is a moment in the very beginning, I I think you call it a match cut. I've never seen quite anything like it. When you think of match cut, you always think of Psycho, you know, the water circling the drain and then transitioning to an eye. Golly, I'm on TikTok too much. I just said transitioning. So there's a moment where someone is thrown over the bridge and they create a splash. And the next scene is them in a boat and water splashing up. I thought that was so clever. So well done. So yeah, the movie is gorgeous. Cinematography is on point. The plot is a little dry, but the acting is wonderful. And in spite of all that, it's directed very well. It's a good story. It's entertaining. It's it's a nice little sit down with popcorn and just chill out kind of movie. It's not particularly scary. It's not really spooky. It does have some supernatural elements to it, but it really is a mystery. And I don't I can't remember the last time I saw a good mystery on screen. Something so old school, so classic, so stylishly beautiful. So, definitely appreciated this movie. All right, parental units, I already know your question. Is this appropriate for my kid? So this movie is rated PG-13, and it's for some strong violence, disturbing images, thematic elements. It's This movie is not particularly bloody. There are murders involved. It is a murder mystery. You do have some things that may or may not be appropriate for your family. Depends on what your values are. So we are talking ghosts, the dead, talking to the dead, seances. Um, so witchcraft, if you're a Christian, you would throw it in there, in that category. You know, stuff like that. Um, we're talking about Halloween. It's not other than that. Other than those things, because again, you have to make the decision for you and your family whether or not those things are appropriate or inappropriate. I think your kid, I'd say nine or older, would be fine. 
I think eight or older. I don't, I don't think they'll be able, it's con- not convoluted, but it is adult in nature. I think a kid nine years of age or older will be able to follow along just fine. That is the only issue that I could see. Is your child mature enough or, you know, quick enough or patient enough to kind of follow along with the elements? Because the movie is not very long, so it moves through the details very quickly, which is a good thing for this movie, honestly. But that's it. So you have some elements of violence in this movie. There really isn't any bad language. There isn't a whole lot of blood here. You are dealing with uh, topics of death, seances, dead children, the plague, stuff like that. But overall, I think in terms of will your child be able to handle it, I'd say nine or older. Your kid will be fine. But again, it is rated PG-13, so it is recommended for children over the age of 13 with parental supervision, so on and so forth. But hey, you know your child, you know what your child can handle, what your child can't handle. So these things may not be appropriate for your kid under the age of 13. I'm just speaking in terms of whether your kid will follow along or not, nine or older, I think will be good. But looking at these elements, I can understand why it's rated PG-13. But again, do your research and you have to make these decisions for yourself based on what you believe to be appropriate for your family. And I hope that helps. Want to advertise on this podcast? Check the episode description to see how you can be featured on the next episode. Thank you so much for listening to me rant and rave about yet another movie. So that was A Haunting in Venice, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Just to sum it all up, I thought it was visually stunning, great acting. The plot was just a little dry, but very entertaining. It was just missing something. Can't quite put my finger on it, but it's like it was just missing a little mm, something. So what's coming up? What's next? So you're going to get another $2 Tuesday on Tuesday, of course. And next week, I will be seeing It Lives Inside. Looking forward to that one. Not sure what it's about. Don't ask me. I will think I'm going to be seeing the creator the week after. I need to get my ticket. Um... As you know, I have AMC A-list, so I can reserve up to three tickets at a time. If I want to buy a ticket, I can. It's not that big of a deal. Like, if I have to, I will, just to reserve my seat. And then the week after that, October. Oh, my gosh. Can you hear my voice? I'm so excited. So I will be seeing The Exorcist Believer um, the first week of October. So definitely looking forward to that. I'm, I'm ready to see Killers of the Flower Moon. That's all I care about right now. That's all I can think about. That's all that really matters. I'm just ready for AMC to send me that notification saying tickets for Killers of the Flower Moon are available. Yeah, I have a reminder set. Like I'm ready to go. I'm so ready. I don't care if I have to purchase a ticket. I am I want in. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Oh, that's just how I'm feeling right now. But that's it. That's that's how things are going. That's what's coming up. Thank you so much for listening. Let me know what you thought of the movie. Let me know in the comments on YouTube. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe, you lovely people. I love you very much. I hope you have a wonderful, happy, beautiful weekend. And I will see you next time. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.